Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome. Well... Last Tuesday, May 17th, the first congressional hearing on UFOs, now referred to as UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, took place. And um, it included testimony from Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence, Scott Bray, under Secretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, Ronald Moultrie, uh, speaking before the House Intelligence Counterterrorism, Counterintelligence, and Counterproliferation Subcommittee, Again, a hearing on unidentified aerial phenomenon on Capitol Hill, the first time in 50 years. And uh, here to help us make sense of it all is our good friend Victor Vigiani, recently retired school principal. Also, his uh, research and analysis of anomalous aerial phenomenon spans close to 40 years now. His experience involved UFO sightings, report investigation, counseling work with individuals, reporting anomalous experiences, presentations, and journalisms and journalism in the field of ETI disclosure issues. Victor, welcome back. How are you? Just fine. Just fine. Thanks for having me on, Richard. I really appreciate this. So hard to believe this is the first, uh, I guess, was it uh, Gerald Ford? Uh, mm-hmm. Did he run the hearing back in, was it 69? Uh, 68, I believe it was. Yeah. 68. Yeah, in, late, in the late 60s for sure. All right. So uh, this particular hearing, um, you refer to it as the two solitudes, the disaster and the political success story. So let's talk about uh, the, um, the the testimony from Ronald Moultrie, Under Secretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, and Scott Bray, Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence. You call them the Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly of the defense and intelligence community. Explain yourself, sir. <laughs> Well, I, I, uh, I've been in discussion with uh, several people about this uh, over the last two weeks uh, about my anticipation of what might happen at, these, at this hearing and what actually did happen. And uh, I, I wrote a piece on Zealand Communications, and I, I, I think I alluded to it when I was speaking to someone about it, that the, the, the two people that were coming forward, uh, Scott Bray and Ronald uh, Moultrie uh, would really dance around uh, the, the whole issue. I sort of predicted that 
and I believe one of my discussions, I talked to, uh, to the one individual that they, they would be the Fred Astaire uh, and Gene Kelly with respect to the uh, to the hearings in front of uh, these really august senators who were going to be asking them very serious questions. So it, it did, uh, in my prediction, it did work out that they did a fantastic job uh, masterfully dancing around all of the issues. Uh, that's part of the uh, one of the solitudes, the, the disaster part of this. Uh, it was really unfortunate the way they managed themselves. And I can understand fully why they did what they did. And I, and I really bear no grudge against them for doing what they did because they were sent there uh, for a specific reason. That, that reason was uh, to dance. And that's why it's exactly what they did do around most of the questions uh, that were asked. So, uh, you know, for those uh, not, not old enough to know who Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly were, they're two very fine, um, uh, you know, artists in, in, the, in the art of dancing uh, way back in, in the 40s and the 50s. So uh, Moultrie and Bray did a great job of dancing around so many different issues and questions that these senators had for them. So what kind of questions were they fielding? Uh, and as you point out, they would often use the phrase when when a critical question came up they would say private session which i mean i guess means well that'll be in camera we'll talk about that behind closed doors right yeah that's as soon as anything did come up in a, in a very sensitive way something like you know what what other videos do you have or are you aware of certain programs that have happened you know since uh, project blue book and up until the atip program and anything specific uh, that that did happen in that period of time. And some of the senators mentioned some of the things that, that did happen. And as soon as the senators asked the question, well, that's you know, sensitive material, it, it relates to national security. And we're going to be um, uh, discussing that. Uh, we'll put that into, into private sessions. Things like uh, the Malmstrom um, Air Force Base incident, the UAP incident of, it, uh, of a UAP hovering over nuclear facilities and shutting them down. Back in 67. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so that was probably discussed uh, in, um, in in private session. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the one of the, uh, the witnesses, Bray, I believe, admitted that he was not aware of it. And uh, neither did Moultrie uh, say that he was aware of the Malmstrom uh, incident, uh, which would probably be brought up again within within private session. All right. Let's have a listen. This is um, Deputy Director of the Office for Naval Intelligence, Scott Bray, let's have a listen. Since the early 2000s, we have seen an increasing number of unauthorized and or unidentified aircraft or objects in military controlled training areas uh, and training ranges and other designated airspace. Reports of sightings are frequent and continuing. We attribute this increase in reporting to a number of factors, including our work to destigmatize reporting, an increase in the number of new systems such as quadcopters and unmanned aerial systems that are in our airspace, uh, identification of what we can classify as clutter, mylar balloons, and other types of, uh, of air trash, and improvements in the capabilities of our various sensors to detect things in our airspace. As we detailed in both the unclassified and classified versions of the preliminary assessment released by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence last June, this often limited amount of high-quality data uh, and reporting hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAP. As detailed in the ODNI report, if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they likely fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. Airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, U.S. government or U.S. industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, or a other bin that allows for a holding bin of difficult cases and for the possibility of surprise and potential scientific discovery. 
we stand by those initial results. All right, there you go. Mylar balloons? He's going all the way back to 47 and Roswell with the Mylar balloons. That's right, yes. And it's very interesting that that did come up because uh, Moultrie, I think earlier in the testimony, um, mentioned Roswell uh, when he was at, no, pardon me, later in the testimony when Mike Gallagher, Senator Mike Gallagher mentioned uh, the Malmstrom uh, incident, um, Moultrie did mention the word Roswell. So they, they did go back and Bray made a, a very specific I think a very strategic error in, in even saying something like the limited amount of information that we derived from the, uh, the director of national intelligence request from the Senate, uh, limited information that uh, that that's tantamount to a lie, Richard, because and I'll tell you why um, during the, the administration of Barack Obama, we have found out that there were approximately 3,440 pages and 26,271 electronic files, including videos uh, of, of, um, of UAP. Now, for two people who are that high up in the Defense Department and in the Navy, for them to be totally unaware that uh, those kinds of files, those kinds of videos, those kinds of, of, um, uh, of documents were were um, were unavailable to them, or that they're unaware of them, is is as far as we're concerned, it's a bald faced lie. They 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 just uh, either they were uh, covering something up, or they are in fact actually ignorant of what went on uh, prior to um, prior to the presidency uh, last year of, of Donald Trump. So there's there's a lot of information there that uh, they called limited information, and it is anything but limited. There right. Is, they- well, according yes. to the, 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 their database of reports only includes 400 incidents, 400 incidents. That's like maybe two years worth. And they, right. and they, and they only go back to 2004. Are you kidding me? Well, it, that's the other part of this whole question is how far back are they willing to admit that they'll be going or that they did go to find out about the 400 cases that you mentioned. Now, by default, that means that they completely disregarded anything that happened before 2004. And that, that means to me that all of the information that came forward uh, with respect to the research has been done on that. And that also too, the, um, the, the work of the, of the ATIP program, all of that that came forward, they're just totally disregarding it because they didn't even bring up the idea uh, that the Pentagon has been in, uh, in, in touch with this issue so deeply for so many years, they just disregarded that fact. And for you to, for them to say, like you said, 400 cases, that's just, the tip of a very, very, very large iceberg. All right, so let's talk about um, Scott Bray's um, choice of videos that he brought mm-hmm. uh, to make his points. Uh, could it describe what he showed and uh, just kind of walk us through how he explained Yeah, this? well, it, it, for those who do want to see it, uh, the, the entire uh, scenario, the entire hearing is on uh, my Zealand Communications website, so they can actually see that, that clip but basically, I'll try to describe it for you. If you can picture uh, an airliner, it looks like an airliner window, okay, a very f- a framed window. You can barely see out of it. You can see blue sky. And uh, Bray asked, uh, I guess, his technicians to bring up uh, the video. So the video was brought up, and you can see the blue sky. There's a bit of a hazy cloud in the background, it looks like. And he had all kinds of trouble going back and forth in that video trying to uh, capture what he said zipped right by the window. 
and he rewound it. They, they went frame by frame and he spent a good three or four times going back and forth in that particular clip, looking at the bright blue sky. And just towards the end, he managed to capture a little bit of it and it just went zip right by and you could not see anything. This so is exhibit essence, A? <laughs> this is exhibit A? Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's just, a, it's absolutely phenomenal and unthinkable that he would use that kind of weak evidence to portray what they've been investigating. And, you know, in my mind, uh, and then he went on to show another one uh, with night vision of some kind of, of one of these uh, TR3B triangles. And he explained that away as as a lens flare or something that happened with with the camera that they were using, the night camera vision. And clearly that video of the TR3B is a classic one, but he described it a way as just a, you know, lens flare or something that it, that it really, really wasn't. So um, I mean, he could have, he could have used one of any of the uh, Tic Tac videos that, uh, that the Navy pilots used and that, that, that the uh, HIT program brought forward, as well as Ralph Blumenthal, Leslie Kane, and Helena Cooper, they cited those Tic Tac videos. And then after that, this kind of stuff got onto 60 Minutes television. And the, these people were interviewed on 60 Minutes television, and these videos were shown on 60 Minutes television. And he didn't even bother to touch or mention the Tic Tac videos of the Nimitz or the Roosevelt. I thought that was really interesting. Did he, he, met, they, he didn't mention eight, the ATIP program at all? Well, yes, well, they did. Well, they did mention the program, but in, in questioning, uh, I think it was at the very beginning of Gallagher's questioning, Mike Gallagher, Senator, he asked the question, um, uh, Mr. Moultrie, did, are, were you aware of, um, of, 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 of the Project Blue Book? He said, yes, he was aware of that. And then were you aware of, of the, the, the ATIP program? And he said, yes, I was. And then he asked the question, uh, what do you know that happened between Blue Book, any kind of incidents, and ATIP? And he just said, and Moultrie said, uh, well, I was aware of Blue Book and I was aware of ATIP, but I'm not uh, officially uh, able to know about or do not know about anything that happened between their official contractual investigations. He used the word, he qualified a contractual investigations about UAP between Blue Book and, uh, and the ATIP program. And then he went on to, Mike, Mike Gallagher went on to ask him about the Malmstrom incident and both Bray and both Moultrie completely passed the buck on, and they were not aware of the Malmstrom incident at all. They did not know. They looked at each other as, uh, you know, Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly said, what kind of movie are we going to do next? <laughs> all right. We'll take a quick timeout. Victor Vigiani from Zeland Communications is here as we continue to discuss the uh, congressional hearing that happened Tuesday, May 17th on UAPs. Back with more in a moment. As a radio and podcast host and researcher, I have to occasionally search in some pretty dark and disturbing corners of the internet. Not something I necessarily want anyone else knowing about. I know you're probably thinking, why don't you just use incognito mode? Well, let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history. 
your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why, even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Truthfully, most of the time I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash strangeplanet, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash strangeplanet, expressvpn.com slash strangeplanet to learn more. It's time to redefine reality. reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we are back with Victor Vigiani as we continue to discuss the congressional hearing on UAPs. The first in 50 years took place last Tuesday, May 17th. All right, so that's the, uh, the song and dance routine uh, from uh, Scott Bray and... The, um, and Ronald Moultrie, Under Secretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the disaster. What's the, uh, the success story here? Well, you know, it's, it, I try to look at it as, uh, as much of an open mind uh, experiment as anything, and we have to give credit where credit is due. And certainly the credit did not go to the witnesses this time. The only thing that the witnesses did was open the door to more questions, uh, which was a good thing, I suppose, in one way, because of their limited um, accessibility information, or at least their willingness to talk about certain bits of information. But the whole idea is, uh, wh why was this hearing so very, very important? And why was it a success? I and mean, it's, a, it's a big question that we need to ask. Well, first of all, as you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the first hearing back in the late 60s, uh, headed by Gerald Ford, uh, was really snowed under, uh, you know, with, with denial, complete denial and total denial. Uh, th this hearing, what we have here is a situation where we all know that the 75-year cover-up or tooth embargo has been going on for 75 years. And the United States government's been tracking this stuff, you know, investigating it from every possible angle that they possibly can. Now what's happened is that everything that has happened since 2017, use that as a benchmark, uh, when uh, Ralph Blumenthal and, and, uh, and Cooper and uh, Leslie Kane came forward in the New York Times, that to me was the beginning of the new part of this. And I think what happened at the hearing uh, is definitely something that vindicates the work of the New York Times with respect to that. So th that's been vindicated. And that's a very important part of what's going on. And I think that article, those articles written by those three authors uh, were, were vindicated. They did two very, very good articles. So that's a, been a vindication. They've been the truth coming out. Uh, now what we see is uh, senators openly speaking about this. Senators Mark Warner, Mark Rubio, uh, Kristen uh, Gildebrand, uh, Congressman Ruben Gallego, uh, Se Senator Tim Burrich, 
uh, and a number of other senators are speaking openly about this. And not only that, there was a uh, a briefing done by the, uh, the the Naval Intelligence Group, which partly I would imagine Ronald Moultrie might, might have been part of, where at least ten, possibly twelve senators were briefed on all the Tic Tac videos. Now, so that forced the hand of of um, of the committee or of the Senate to hold these hearings. So that's a success story in itself. You also and, said that the Pentagon's harassment of Luis Elizondo, who was the whistleblower from the from ATIP, you, he headed up ATIP, was right. uh, dissatisfied with the way the information was being handled. So that's when he went public to Leslie Kane and um, Blumenthal and Cooper, and that's which exactly. launched that 2017 New York Times article. But how did the Pentagon's harassment, well, first of all, what form did that harassment take uh, by Susan Goff, the Pentagon spokesperson, and how did that force this hearing? Well, the the the, the nature of the um, disparagement by, by Susan Goff, she actually went as far as to say that Luis Elizondo was not the director of the ATIP program, which is a bald-faced lie, okay? He was the director of the program, an admitted director of it. And he was also the chief security officer of the ATIP program from approximately 2007 to 2012. And she went after him with all guns blaring. Now, what happened in that story, if we have time to talk about it, uh, Daniel Sheehan uh, was taken on uh, by Luis Elizondo as, as Elizondo's solicitor. And they made an appointment with the office of the, of the uh, inspector general to talk to him about this whole idea of the disparagement of the by the Pentagon of Luis Elizondo's participation in ATIP. And they sat down, uh, Daniel Sheehan told me, they sat down with four lawyers from the off the inspector general and said, listen, you've got to get Susan Goff to, to retract her statement, or at least to, to stand back, to stand down with these with these baseless uh, accusations. So you can see that uh, that that kind of pressure and once that becomes known within the Senate Intelligence Committee, that's another reason why you want open hearings about why Luis Elizondo, the director of the ATIP program, was uh, was forced either forced to resign or resigned out of conscience because he didn't like what was going on in the Pentagon. I think that's another reason why uh, these these hearings were, were actually um, put into place by the Intelligence Committee. We don't know what happened behind the clo- behind closed doors. Uh, with, with Elizondo, but I can guarantee you that the the Pentagon denial uh, was part of why these hearings are happening. So you say that the Senate Select Committee, which is the, the most powerful committee in the Senate, they have codified the UAP issue. Uh, what do you mean by that? I mean this well, is now this is this is now law. They must have these hearings on a regular basis. Is that what that means? Well, I, I don't think it's a matter of codifying the actual hearings, but what they did codify is the fact that the director of national intelligence must report to the select Senate committee on intelligence about UAP. And that, that came about uh, very quickly uh, in, um, oh, I guess it was 2021 to begin with, with the National Defense Authorization Act, where Rubio and Warner somehow, and underline that word somehow, got language within the National Defense Authorization Act uh, about forcing the Director of National Intelligence, requiring her um, uh, to, to put in uh, some sort of mechanism to investigate the UAP issue. And that's where all of this information started with respect to what you mentioned earlier, 2004, uh, up to the present time with those 400 cases. That's all they investigated. And why the frame of reference was 2004, I'm not quite sure. But they were required to report those kinds of incidents 
And that's, in fact, what she did with the June report back in 2021. So all of these things piling on and piling on created, as far as I'm concerned, and a lot of people within the disclosure community, uh, an incredible amount of pressure for the Senate to actually push for hearings. And Andre Carson being being the, the senator that he was, and also, too, with the influence of Adam Schiff, uh, uh, brought these hearings to bear with, with uh, a beginning and I, and I say this advisedly, this is just the beginning of what's going to be happening, Richard. So all these other factors are sort of pushing this thing forward like a huge wave of information and pressure for the, um, uh, for the committee not to just delve into, you know, the testimony that, that was given uh, on, on the 17th, but it's going to open up into to a bigger set of witnesses. And I, I've developed my own uh, uh, witness shortlist, that which we, we might want to discuss a bit later if you want. All right. Well, uh, let's be before that, why don't we talk a little bit about some of the committee members and their line of questioning? Let's start with Senator Adam Schiff. Well, yes, Adam Schiff was very specific, not only with the videos, he wanted to get a very clear fix on uh, when Bray was talking about and showing the video. And Adam Schiff several times said, uh, you know, Mr. Bray, could you just back that up a little bit? Because we didn't get it. And he backed it up. He was hunting and pecking and trying to find it. And he said, you know, uh, could you just back it up? Try that again. Try. So he was really pushing Bray to get that video up there so that the A, the committee could see it. And the thousands of people that were watching the, the hearings, uh, you know, um, on, on YouTube to get them to see what was going on. And he had little success in forcing Bray to actually get that video to a point where we could see something. And he pushed very hard. And in one of the other statements before the hearing was made, uh, Adam Schiff said this is one of the greatest mysteries uh, in the history of mankind. And for Adam Schiff, uh, Schiff to say that is, uh, I think, a big deal. It's something that we've never heard from a senator before. And I think we're going to be hearing more from Adam Schiff uh, in, in, the, um, in, in the future as he kind of propels this hearing along with Andrew, Andre Carson. Andre Carson was the chair, I believe. Uh, That's right. Mm -hmm. What sort of questioning was uh, was he giving? Well, he was he was demanding some really specific things with respect to uh, how they were gathering their information and what kind of um, uh, pressure, or not pressure, but what kind of um, how can I put it? Um, directions were they seeking in order to find out, you know, let's just sidestep the issue of safety in the skies for a second, or even national security for a moment. What other aspects of this UAP issue are important for us to know about? And once again, Moultrie and, and Bray never really gave clear answers to th that line of question. They, they danced around that. And, and Carson was very, very specific and, and wanting more and more in-depth information. But as soon as he asked a pointed question, like, you know, let's you know, sidestep the, the or let's not deal with national security right now. Are there other issues here that are in play? And the, the two witnesses never gave any answer about that. Uh, the 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 other um, the other senator that did a great job, I thought, uh, was Senator. I believe his name was Peter Welsh. He actually brought up and began the narrative discussion about extraterrestrials. You know, it, it's foolish of us not to think that we're alone in the cosmos. Uh, and once again, he, he he tried to force these two individuals into a corner to at least talk about the possibility of that other box. He used, you know, okay, fine, we've got drones, we've got uh, you know foreign technology, and we've got uh, you know perhaps U.S. advanced technology, and then we've got this 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 box called other. 
can we talk about that other box at all? And we we just we never got a straight answer from Moultrie or um, or uh, Bray on that issue, and he kept on pushing it. And if people watch the the entire um, hour, and it goes by very quickly, it's 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 a really great piece of information. That they'll watch and see how well informed these senators really were. Not just the three that we just mentioned now, but there were other senators who raised other questions about it. And it it really brings to light the fact that these guys are really really well informed and they want answers to questions that I don't think the people in the intelligence and naval community uh, are really willing to answer. Well, if this is any indication how these committee hearings are going to go, and if the intelligence agencies and the military is just going to serve up a couple of bozos who, who either really do know nothing or pretend they know nothing, what is the point of all this? Well, I think that's a, that's a really good point. What We're at, we're at a very... Um, t- Interesting tipping point here, um, Richard. I think we, we've seen. Um, uh, let's see. Let's look really frankly at who, who's there. That that committee that was there in, at the in the hearings. Uh, these people were hungry for information. You could tell by the nature of their questioning. They were well informed. Their staff members did some great research in order to have them present some really good questions. And then they threw all these questions to two, you know, to to, to Fred and and Jean. Uh, pardon me, uh, to to <laughs> Ronald and and Scott. Uh, and they didn't get any answers. So in the back rooms, what they're going to do, my estimation is, we've got to go after different witnesses that aren't part of the Pentagon, that aren't part of the Navy, that aren't part of uh, the intelligence community. Um, what we're going to do is ask people who are in the field, who have seen these things, who've experienced these things, and who've, res- who've uh, res- researched these things. People like Robert Salas. Now, Mike Gallagher, Senator Gallagher, brought up the Malmstrom inc- uh, incident with the shutdown of the, the nuclear weapons. If they don't call Robert Salas as a witness, this, this committee will not be doing its job. Okay, uh, If they do not call upon Luis Elizondo to be a witness, this committee will not be doing its job. If, the, if this committee does not call upon people like Richard Dolan, uh, who brought out... Uh, hundreds of documents with respect to uh, the United States embargo of the truth. They will not be doing their job. And there's a number of other researches. We can go on the list. Is, if they don't bring Daniel Sheen, for example, before the be, before the committee. Right. Would, uh, they be, other, would they be subpoenaed I, and under oath? Um, I mean, you don't, not, you, don't, you don't need to put Dolan and, and Salas under oath, obviously, but maybe the, you know, the, the military people, the higher ups. Yeah. Would they be under oath? They would. They would be right. Uh, let's take, for example, um, um, David Fravor, one of the pilots who captured the uh, uh, the Tic Tac videos. Okay, uh, if he was to be called forward, I would imagine that he would have to testify under oath because of his military position. And uh, they don't want to talk to this guy. I mean, pardon me, I shouldn't say that. Um, they they do want to talk to this guy, but I know the people on the Hill don't want a person like that front and center at a, at a UAP hearing. That would be the last thing that the people on the Hill would really, really want in terms of, you know, the military or the Pentagon or, or the Navy. Why? Why? Well, well, they're, they're going to be telling the truth. They're going to say, no, I was in the plane. I saw this thing go from, you know, 50 feet above the water to uh, 85,000 feet in less than a second. What do you think that is, uh, uh, Mr. Fravor? Um, nothing that we have. Well, what else could it be? Um, we think it's off world. And you'll you get the same answer from Christopher Mellon. I right. guarantee you if Christopher right. Mellon- And then that, former, would, that would be, I mean, 
that would be uh, everything that you've ever hoped for and dreamed of over the last 35, 40 years, right? That moment before, you know, under oath in a Senate select committee, a pilot saying that, that would be, that would be the game changer. Uh, we just have sure. a few minutes here. What yep. would be some of the other witnesses that you'd, you'd like to see? Uh, well, that's, you know, I mentioned Daniel Sheehan, Christopher Mellon, um, Robert Sellis, of course. Um, I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. Uh, there may be some scientists, uh, A.V. Loeb, for example, out of Harvard and his investigation. He's doing some really, really deep dives on this with respect to uh, the kinds of craft that they're seeing in the sky. He's, he would be the ideal academic to come forward uh, in, in, in this way. Uh, other academics uh, might be, um, oh, the, the scientist. Um, we, we've talked about him before. I'm having a, a brain That's cramp right. here. That's all right. Yeah. Um, Anyways, we'll, we'll get to that one. Other, other scientists may be, in fact, uh, called upon to, to give testimony. And, and those are the kinds of people that we need to come forward. Academics, uh, the pilots who've seen these things, researchers, people who've been around the block for the past 35 to 40 years, like myself, who've got a lot more to say about the whole issue right. with respect to the research that, than I have. How about that so, Vice Admiral uh, Wilson, who uh, yes. is the mm -hmm. um, uh, Director of Intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff or, right. or Assistant uh, Director of Intelligence right. for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who uh, he would be have to be put under oath because he's not going to say this willingly, but he talked about, you know, uh, being uh, trying to get read into one of these programs and was denied. Yeah, someone like that would be especially interesting to to come forward because he would have inside information. And I would imagine uh, former directors of the CIA uh, who've been who've been involved in this. Uh, they they've you know the former directors have made statements about this. So I mean these people who have been on the inside, who've read the reports, who've read the stuff that they discuss only in, in, uh, in private and closed sessions. These are the people that we need to come forward within these hearings. Uh, that, that's unquestionably one of the things this committee has to go after. And if they keep on going after people like uh, Ronald Moultrie and, uh, and Scott Bray, uh, they're just gonna be chasing their tails, uh, Richard. And it's not really gonna uh, allow us to really get inside the issue. And, and make this, this issue not just something about UAP, but the political uh, issue that surrounds us and also the public relations issue surrounding all of this. Uh, I think the, because um, uh, I mentioned Admiral Tom Wilson, I think uh, the person he met was with Eric Davis. That might've been the right. scientist you were referring That's right. to. Mm -hmm. uh, this was like a private uh, meeting and Davis took copious notes. And of course, Wilson, you know, does not want to talk about it publicly. Yeah, well, yeah. Richard Dolan was the one who brought that uh, that whole right. discussion forward. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll wait and watch with interest for the next one. Do, uh, will there be a next one, and when? Any idea? Not really. Uh, there. First of all, there will be another one or more, but as to, as far as when, uh, we have no idea at this point in time. Uh, it's, it's going to happen again, I guarantee you. As, as much as I believe that the first hearing was going to happen, and with all the people that I spoke to uh, who firmly believe that it was going to happen, that first hearing uh, was anticipated, it happened, and uh, we're convinced that it's going to happen again, and hopefully we're going to have some more uh, in-depth witness testimony from people who are really in the know about this issue. And when it does, you'll be here and we'll be talking about it. Victor Vigiani, Zealand News Network. Thank you, my friend. 
You're most welcome. A pleasure as always, Richard. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.